Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now you see, here's the third boy. Here's the big boy. Here's Satan himself. See, the third, the, the number one of the trinity of evil, uh, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. All right, now that's the end of Satan. He's judged. Now then, but what about uh, verse 5 where it says, This is a first resurrection. And then verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. All right. If there's a first resurrection, if that first resurrection only included the people of God, the children of God, then what about the rest of the dead? Look at verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is a book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now there, uh, apparently, in that resurrection, only the wicked dead. The rest of the dead. What is the second death? And uh, he tells us, and death and Hades uh, were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Death and Hades. Now, not death and hell. Not Gehenna. Gehenna is not cast into Gehenna. But Hades, the place of departed spirits. That's where the, uh, uh, like the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man, what did it say? In Hades, not hell, but in Hades he lifted up his eyes. Where was he? He went to the place where the spirits of the wicked dead go. He didn't go to heaven. 
He went to Hades. Alright? The righteous dead, they go to Hades also. But the Hades, Hades just simply means depart, place of departed spirits. But the place of departed spirits for the righteous dead is a paradise or Abraham's bosom. It's still it's, there. It's, it's still there. I, I don't, I cannot uh, believe that Ephesians 5 is talking about that change. You see? Huh? Uh, well, uh, it's, uh, now, the Bible speak in the Old Testament days, uh, uh, a man died, he was gathered to his people, 30 days later, after mourning for him, he was buried. Now, where did they, uh, according to Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish teachings and understanding, at death, the, uh, the righteous went to Abraham's bosom. Paradise. A place, uh, where they were expecting a resurrection, see, uh, of the body. And they were expecting to meet again. The body and the spirit would be together again. Now, where, uh, the Old Testament, uh, doctrine of Hades as to location, uh, is, is not clear. Uh, but, uh, and, and so, it's called the heart of the earth sometimes, see. Uh, Jesus, uh, when he died, it says that he, uh, went to the heart of the earth. That is, he preached to spirits in prison. Where were they? Well now, uh, what does it mean? It means that when Jesus was put to death, his body was, uh, was taken down. It was, uh, oh, I don't know how long. It may have been, in fact, uh, if you study the scripture real technically, I think you'll find that the body of Jesus was not buried till just before sunup the next day. Uh, and, and I can prove that, uh, from, uh, from the scriptures. But, see, uh, uh, uh Joseph of Arimathea, uh, when, uh, when he found out that, that Jesus was dead, uh, he went to Pilate and begged for his body. And, uh, well, uh, old Joe was going down the road and he says, hey, Nick, uh, where are you going? Said, I'm going, I'm going down here. I, I, I'm going to bear the, what? The Lord's dead? Jesus dead? Yeah, he's dead. Well, come hit me. Alright. He goes and gets a hundred pounds of embalming fluid, uh, materials. Well, I don't know how long it took him to get it. He may have had it, uh, stashed away. Him. He wasn't expecting Jesus to be put to death. Nicodemus wasn't, neither was Joseph or Matthias. But he has to go and get permission from Pilate. Pilate said, oh, wait a minute, I have to find out whether he's dead or not. And uh, so he sends the centurion. And he finds out from the centurion. Calls him in. I don't know how long it took him to get that centurion. But anyway, the centurion came for Pilate. Pilate uh, sent here and said, yes, he's dead. All right, Joe, you can have him. And then Joe meets Nicodemus. And and then they get together. And they take the body down from the cross, all right, and they embalm it. 
The women are watching him doing it. Alright. But. Now the scripture says. Uh, the thief. One of the thieves said to Jesus. Lord. Uh, uh, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he said. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Alright now. When. Uh, did, uh, uh, when did Jesus go to paradise? Immediately when he said, I commend my spirit unto God. See, into thy hands I commend my spirit. His body didn't go to paradise. The thief's body didn't go to paradise. Yet Jesus said to the thief, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That means that instant. All right, when they die. Now, so it's not talking about their bodies. And yet, First Peter three, eighteen, and so on tells us that Christ was uh, uh, suffered the just for the unjust. See? He was uh, uh, he was put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. By which he went and preached to spirits in prison. Alright? Now, uh, prison, paradise. Hades. That's all paradise is. Hades is a place of safekeeping. It didn't have the idea of torment uh, with it. The, the word did not originally mean that. Uh, yet, uh, the... Uh, paradise, Hades, is has two, according to the Lord's uh, parable or uh, illustration uh, or historical account, whichever a man may, uh, whichever view he has concerned it, he's teaching the same thing that there was a great gulf fixed between them. See, and the th- and the rich man said that he was tormented in these flames. See, but all he could see was Father Abraham. See, he didn't see God. He wasn't asking for Christ. He didn't ask for an angel. But he in but he saw Father Abraham, see? And he saw Lazarus in his bosom. Alright, now that's as far as he could see. In other words, that's the intermediate state. And and that's the reason why in studying the book of Revelation, any man that believes has this view and believes as I believe concerning that. He cannot see human beings in heaven in the book of Revelation. That's why the heavenly hosts, that's why the 24 elders, that's why the poor living creatures, that's why the great hosts are angelic beings. I mean, it's easy to interpret them as angelic beings rather than human beings. See, those that say the 24 elders represents the redeemed you see, the 24 elders sing the song that God has redeemed men, not them, but men out of every nation, every tongue, every kindred and tribe. And not one place do you read about uh, children of God going to heaven. Not or anywhere else in the Bible. You read uh, from, from, Gen- from uh, Matthew to the end. You don't read about 
a man dies and he goes to heaven and gets his reward. That, that, that's, that, that, that's additional and, and chiefly tradition. Now, uh, Paul tells us that it's better for him to depart and be with Christ. Well, now then that, uh, that doesn't mean that he's, uh, to be with Christ, he has to be in heaven. And, uh, so, uh, Paul says, uh, that, you know, they usually quote, Second uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, that says, for if, uh, uh, this, for we know that if this earthly tabernacle, you know, if this earthly house be dissolved, we have a building of God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Alright, well what Paul is doing, if you go back to the fourth chapter, in verse 14, you'll see that he's talking about the resurrection. But John, but Paul spans the intermediate stage. Whenever Paul speaks of the resurrection, he never takes in the intermediate state in whatsoever. When he, when he, in 50 chapter 1 Corinthians, he tells us the, uh, the, about the body. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body, see? It's sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Well, how long is it, Paul? Between it's so, being sown in corruption, and raised in incorruption. He's, he's saying it as though it's sown, it's raised. It's sown, it's raised. But, uh, but the time that the body died in the days of Christ when he was upon the earth, they're still sown in corruption. Uh, some are going to die and, and will not see corruption. But it won't be in the grave that long. As far as corruption is processes there, but it would be a corruptible body that was sown, and, but raised in incorruption. So, well, uh, so that's uh, that's the reason it says, uh, and death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. What I'm trying to point out is that the place of departed spirit no longer, when a man dies, his body may be goes to the grave, it may go to the sea, it may go to a a uh, fish, it may go to a wild beast, uh, may be burned in a fire, wherever it may be, see? Well, that's death. Death is going to give up, uh, uh, their hope. Hades is going to give up the spirits. Death can only, the grave can only give up the body. But Hades will give up the spirit. And death the grave and Hades, place of the Spirit, are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And that's the reason why the beatitude over here says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. For of such the second death hath no power. Well, we better we don't stop that. Oh no! No, the uh, it's uh, it's place of spirits, place place. Uh, That's all, you, say That's you, all you can say. All right. Suppose a man. Oh, what caught up that time that to do that? That's paradise. Yeah. Now notice, Paul was called up to in the twelfth chapter of Second Corinthians. Paul says uh, that uh, he, he wants to talk about revelations, plural, and it's plural in the Greek. 
uh, and he says, and he, he tells about his first experience, the first revelation, that he was called up to heaven. But in the second, he was called up into paradise. Two different revelations. There's not a, uh, those two propositions uh, alone will teach you the reality of the intermediate state. See? Now, he was permitted to enter one, but the other he was not permitted to enter. He was caught up into paradise. But now that was in vision. Just like John was, uh, saw these things come to pass, you see. But it was given to him of God. Now the sea gave up the dead. Well, now the only thing the sea could give up was the body, you see. Uh, death and Hades uh, uh, gave up the dead. Uh, delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Now, <clears throat> there's nothing, I, I guess, that's done more uh, complicated the Bible study concerning the the uh, concerning death and after death what than the translation of the word uh, hell. Uh, it's the word hell. It is an English word that translates Gehenna, Hades, and the grave, death itself. Now uh, you have the same uh, uh, same thing in in First Corinthians fifteen, where it says, "Death is swallowed up in victory." O death, where is thy sting? O grave. Now the word is Hades. Where is thy victory? See? O death, where is thy sting? No sting in the body anymore. But O Hades, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, Paul distinctly tells us about uh, saying, Hades, you're going to have to give up your dead, see? He says, you can't hold them all the way. The body, can, the grave, cannot hold the body of the child of God always. And uh, so that's that's what he says. So when, but you notice when that is, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then, shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? Now, you can't say that now. Or you can say it uh, anticipatively. You can say it prophetically speaking, saying it as though it's fact. But you can't say it uh, from a standpoint of experience and say there's no sting in death. See? When are you going to say it from an experimental standpoint? When this mortal shall have put on immortality. See? Uh, and uh, then, he says, shall be brought to pass. When this corruption shall have put on incorruption. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? Why? Because uh, you've got an uh, immortal body now. 
You've got an incorruptible body now. You've got one that death, uh, the axe cannot clean. The sword cannot touch anymore. It's powerless against it. Oh, Hades, where is thy victory? There's no place. Chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. The first verse of chapter 21 uh, speaks of a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 11 of chapter 20 says uh, that the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. There are uh, several questions or several thoughts that uh, we need to kind of consider before we uh, end this passage. And that is uh, the time when. When will the earth and the heavens flee away? When will the earth be destroyed? Not uh, with reference to the year or the month or the week or the day or the hour, but when in the order of uh, uh, eschatological events, the last days, the the last things, uh, will it be uh, before the second resurrection or after the second resurrection? Will it be before the millennium? Will it be before the personal reign of Christ or after the personal reign of Christ? You know, there there are those who hold to the doctrine like Dr. Gill. Uh, Dr. Gill believes in what is known as a spiritual reign of Christ, which will occur on this earth. He believes that the personal reign of Christ will be on the new heavens and uh, will be on the new earth. And uh, so that's the reason. Uh, what I what I mean by when will the heavens flee away? After the first resurrection, and before the millennium, or after the millennium, and before the final judgment. So notice, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face? The face of him that sat on the throne. The earth and the heaven fled away. So that, uh, uh, in chapter 20, if we follow the logical order, and which to me seems the proper, we would put first at the coming of Christ the binding of Satan. See, the uh, when Christ comes, actually if you go back to the 19th chapter, you'll have... Christ coming, the destruction of uh, the casting of the uh, beast and the false prophet into the lake of fire. That will be the first major event. Then the binding of Satan. Then the resurrection. Then the change, the translation of the saints. Then the rain upon the earth. Then the, which is the millennium. Then at the end of the millennium, the second 
resurrection. Then the loosing of Satan. And uh, uh, then the final conflict of uh, of God and, and Satan. And where Satan then is cast into the lake of fire. Then we have the uh, the final resurrection, the resurrection of the wicked, before uh, before the great white throne of God. At which time it seems that the earth and the heavens flee away. That's at least my conception of the order of events. At least now uh, there are those that place the passing of the heaven and earth uh, that it doesn't uh, uh, that the millennium takes place upon the new earth well then you'd have to put this event back over here before uh, before verse uh, 5 see Um, actually in verse 4 of chapter 20 well, he talks about the first resurrection, the second resurrection, the millennial reign, you see. The second resurrection, the loosing of Satan. And now, for the first time in Revelation, we see, uh, have the information about the earth and heaven passing away. Therefore, I put it at the point when it is mentioned. Unless there's some good reason to take it out of its context, out of its connection with the general judgment. See, the judgment of the great white throne. All right. That, uh, <clears throat> that brings us to, let's read, uh, the last, uh, chapter of Second Peter. Third chapter, and, uh, because here we have a distinct statement. Well, let's just read, uh, some selective verses. Verse seven. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, now I'm in Second Peter chapter three verse seven. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now skip down to verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, for the time being, Let's just notice one thing uh, about this, uh, about the, uh, in these verses. And that is in verse 7. Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment 
and perdition of ungodly men. Now, what does that seem to me? That seems to indicate the time when the heavens and the earth will pass away. Why? Because he's connected with the judgment. Well, Revelation uh, 20, 11 connects it with the judgment. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now, there are many things in uh, that we uh, hope that we thoughts that we can bring out here before we, uh, before we finish. But I want to establish, first of all, the time when the earth will flee away. And, uh, and I maintain that it will be in connection with the day of judgment. See? Now, if you put it, if you put it, uh, In chapter 20, in verse, uh, in verse 4 or 5 or 7, you're going to have it, uh, before the millennium. We're talking about a period of a thousand years in duration, in the events of God, don't you see? So the time when is going to affect your outlook on, on the passage in 2 Peter. It's going to affect of Genesis 6, 7, and 8, it will affect your understanding concerning uh, the as it was in the days of Noah and of Lot. Those comparisons, it will have effect upon your uh, the, the interpretation of those passages. Now, uh, so, uh, if we say that that is the proper time, that that's the time that the Bible seems to indicate, Let's advance to, the, to this thought, this idea. How many times has or will the world be destroyed? Now, uh, it, it, you might think that's a foolish question, uh, but of course the, the earth was destroyed by water, according to Genesis 7, you see, 6 through 8, 7 chapter primarily. Then, and how was the earth destroyed by water? Now, uh, you notice the Lord said, even as and so as, and in like manner, or comparison, in the same way, or after the similitude, or the likeness of it, or get this lesson from that, in other words. And if the lessons are detailed, then we'd have to come to this conclusion that the water destroyed the whole earth. And yet, the earth was not annihilated. But we'll save that idea for a little later. But here, what we want to see is that in Genesis, the earth was destroyed, according to biblical terminology, destroyed, perished. The earth that then was, perished. See? All right? Um, by water. And that water, and here's the similitude, that water that destroyed the earth proceeded from beneath the earth broke up. Convulsions of the earth. Earthquakes. Eruption. 
and water just bubbled up from the ground. And also, water came down out of heaven. Rain, God rained up on the earth. Water. So there was a twofold attack yeah, of the water. And that water was 15 cubits, some 21 to 22 feet higher than the highest mountain upon the earth. What does that seem to indicate? It, uh, and the destruction of the flood, of the earth by the flood, affected all animal life upon the earth. It affected the fowls of the air. See? Now, uh, <clears throat> the reason I ask that question is this. Isaiah 65 and Isaiah 66 and 2 Peter 3 and Revelation 21.1 and Revelation 20.11 are the norm passages. They are the foundation passages. They are the principal passages that deal with the passing away of this earth and the new earth. And from those passages... People uh, have come to this conclusion that Isaiah 65, 17 to 20, and 2 Peter 3, 7, 10 to 13, are talking about a destruction of the earth that only involves purging, purifying, renovation, restoration, making it over remaking the earth. Whereas they say that Revelation 21.1 speaks of a different earth. Therefore, uh, the, the earth that, uh, that is spoken of to them in, Revel in Isaiah 65 and 2 Peter 3, to them that is uh, like is a comparison like the flood. The flood destroyed the earth, but it the earth still was intact. It's just everything on it was dead. There was no life. It, it had to start again, but they didn't start. They started from something. Whereas they hold that Revelation twenty one one says uh, that I saw a new heaven and a new earth means that uh, God ha has brought judgment upon the earth again. Not by fire, because we don't know. Because the Bible, they say, don't specify. But it does specify that the earth is going to be purged or renovated by fire. See, Now, if, if that be true, then the new heaven and the new earth, spoken of in Revelation 21.1, is a new creation. This earth comes into being from nothing. This, the heaven spoken of here, is a recreative act of God, it has nothing to do of remaking the earth or remaking the heavens. And therefore, uh, they say that, uh, that we have a description 
of uh, uh, of the renovated earth. The this natural earth as it now is will be destroyed in 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 that it'll be cleansed, purged, purified, prettied up. Okay, now that uh, people hold that view who are uh, have all sorts of views concerning the millennial problem, uh, whether they're even dispensationalists or at outs with one another. Some holding to one idea and some to to the other. Uh, but but my understanding of the scriptures is that um, that Isaiah sixty five and Isaiah sixty six and Second Peter three and Revelation twenty one one speaks of the same one and the same event that God will yet destroy the earth. And the atmospheric heavens, not the starry heavens, not the sun and the moon, necessarily. Now, the Bible says that uh, in uh, in Revelation 21, uh, 21 uh, 23, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now, that passage doesn't say that the, there's not going to be a sun, uh, or the moon is not going to continue. It just says it's not going to be necessary. It's not going to be needed. Why? Because of the, that the lamb will be the light thereof. Now, I'm not saying that it, uh, that the sun and the moon positively will not be affected. See? Because certainly in the book of Revelation, we've already seen that there'll be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. But it doesn't say that there's going to cease to be. Nowhere. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.